good dads. Amen. 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 Genesis chapter number four. We're going to begin here in just a moment. Genesis chapter number four, verses one through two. Looks like the dads don't draw as good as the moms do. <laughs> Amen. Genesis chapter number four, uh, verses one and two. I heard, I think Jason said that he got a candy bar for Father's Day, I believe. I think I got one too. And I was joking with him, it was worth all, it's worth it all right there. You know, get, that, get that candy bar. Thank you, though. I, I like a good candy bar. Amen. Genesis chapter number four, here in just a second, verses one through two. This is going to be a, 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 I guess, a top of the sermon on a, the biblical description of a dad and what a father he is. And thank God for good dads. Amen. If you've had one, then uh, praise the Lord. Amen. Thank God for good dads. Uh, my father, um, my father uh, wasn't what I, what I would consider maybe a Christian man, um, but my father was a, a good dad. He was a good dad. My father. Uh, I told him when he was even uh, when he was sick, and I didn't know how quickly he would pass away with cancer. Uh, you just don't know, you know. Um, and you can pass away and not have cancer today, so never be dying us anyway. But uh, I told him, and I, I mean this, this might be odd, but I thanked him that he uh, he never harmed us, he never uh, he never molested us, he never. Uh, I thanked him for that, and and that meant that that is obviously hugely important. Um, there's no place for abuse, especially from a father. It, it does severe emotional, spiritual damage. And I, I thanked him for that. I, I thanked him that he, uh, he always went to work. My dad was a working man. That's what my dad did. He, my dad worked. Uh, he went to work. Uh, he, he worked overtime. Uh, he never turned out a shift of overtime. He always told me, if you're the money, why don't you go take it? Uh, my dad was a working man. Um, my dad was a dad who uh, he expected me and Sean to make good grades. Not, not making making a bad grade was unacceptable. I remember, if, uh, I remember if I made a B, he would say, "Well, you can bring it up." I remember if I made an A, he told me you can bring it up. I, I remember one time I said, "How can I bring it up?" He said, "They give away A pluses." Yeah, he said, well, bring it up. I remember that. Uh, he had no sympathy for whining, did Sean? No whining allowed at all. We did not communicate through whining. We weren't allowed to whine. We weren't allowed to uh, limp around the house. Uh, if we had a scab or a boo-boo, he'd poke it and pick at it. He'd say, ah, oh, you're all right, you're all right. Um, I appreciate that, though, now. Because, you know, we live in a world today that, you know, uh, Men, there's an absence of strong men. We need strong men in the world today. There is a deficit of strong men. We have too many men who lack the masculine, general, male toughness to get by with. And I'm thankful that my dad picked at my scabs and poked on my bruises. Because you're all right, amen. You are all right. I don't know what he told me, Sean, he'd say, ah, oh, you're just going to have to toughen up. That's what he tells us. You're going to have to toughen up. You know, sometimes the best advice uh, that a man can hear is just that you need to man up. You just need to toughen up. 
You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to do it. You're going to have to get by. You're going to have to find a way. There might not be a way. You're just going to have to endure. And uh, that's a message that's not being taught to boys anymore. You're going to have to toughen up. Amen. My dad was a good dad. I know that my, I speak for, on behalf of my brother too. I'm thankful for my, all the men in my life have, have passed away. It's just me and Sean left. My uncle Ted has passed away. My father has passed away. My mother's dad has passed away. My dad's dad has passed away. We're the only ones left. It's me and Sean. Um, we're going to have to carry it on. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter number four, verse number one. The Bible says, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man-child from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Help us, Jesus, Lord, to glean from Scripture what a man is, and the role of a father, and what a father is to be according to to your word. Forgive me of my sins, Lord. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. Help me by your spirit. Guide us this day. And thank you, Lord, for the gift of fatherhood. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being one. And thankful for the good men that played a huge impact in my life. Even my pastor, the men that I, that I grew up under in church. Lord, I'm thankful for these men, the coaches that I had, the men who challenged me the men who taught me to toughen up, the men who showed me what it is to be a man. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, for that. I praise you. Lord, I pray that we don't lose it. And there's a revival of manhood and fatherhood in our country today. Bless this, this time you've given with us. In your name, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. Many of you know uh, we're leaving right after this service and we're heading to uh, South Carolina. I asked my kids... Uh, how long you wanted me to preach today? They said, 10 minutes. <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> I can't even get through the introduction in 10 minutes, you know. <laughs> but I'm going to give it my best shot, amen. <laughs> you know, most, most people, most ladies, they have no idea, I don't, I don't think. And they have no idea what a man would do for their family. They have no idea what a man would do for their family. It's, it's rarely put to the test, but there's probably, you have no idea, and I, I speak for Brittany, and I don't know if she knows, she has no idea how deep in a coal mine I would go to dig out coal for money for my family. Have no idea how hard I'd work if I had to. No idea. Have no, how, have no clue what, what men would do. You know, men have been picked on, I'm afraid, far too long in this country. And most fathers, most men, even my dad, even, even non-Christian men, my grandfather, his, my dad's dad, have no clue what he would do for his family. What, what pit he would crawl into and crawl out of just to make sure that the kids have shoes on their feet and just to make sure the rent or the mortgage is paid. I mean, crawl in anywhere and do it. Be completely covered in, in any God-forsaken byproduct of anything just to go get it and hustle and do it for their family. You know, a lot of times I don't make the romance movies, but that is like the most romantic thing I think a man can do for his family and to his wife. Just go do it every single day. Put up with them people at work every single day. It's even compounding because nobody wants to be there anyway. 
And the only reason that they're there is because of their families. That's like one of the most praiseworthy things that anybody could ever do. And I, 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 part of my, I think, in my life, I want to define what Christianity is. That's, I feel like I have a calling of God to do that. I want to describe over and over again what a Christian is. In a world where everybody is a Christian, I want the, I want the Bible to speak and say what a Christian really is. But I have, I have another thing that's always on my heart, is that is there is an attack on Christian masculine manhood in this country. But, but most of the country has no idea what a man would do for their country. I mean, it's, it's men who pinned down the Constitution of the United States. It's men who fought and died even to end slavery. It's men, who, it's men and fathers, both driven by the, by, the, by the urge to provide for their family. Now, young men work, but they don't know why they work. Fathers, a lot of times, fathers especially. Now, there's, there's, there, I'm speaking generally. There's exceptions, absolutely. But you, I remember when, I, when Nathan was born, all of a sudden I realized, oh, this is why, this is why I'm going to work. It's not just for our own uh, aspirations and to get somewhere financially with me and Brittany. Like, he really needs diapers. He really needs food. He really has to have shelter. He really has to have a place to live. I mean, it, it's, it's fathers and men who strung out all the telephone wires and stretched the electrical lines all over this country. The ones who dug the ditches and paved the roads. The, the ones who, uh, in your life, repaired the washing machines. The ones who did it, and they didn't even care. They didn't, even, they, didn't want to, they didn't want to be praised. They didn't want sympathy. The ones who went to Lowe's three times in the same day just to fix a, a leaking faucet, and you go talk to that guy at Lowe's, and he don't know either, and just enduring and grinding it out all day long. Thank God. That's, that's what God put men on earth to be. And I'm thankful for fathers, aren't you? And I just want to just for a little while just... Just go through some passages to try to describe what a dad is. I read to you in Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, and, and we learned that Adam knew his wife Eve. She conceived and she bare Cain, and the first man became the first dad, and the first son that was born was Cain. And so what is a father? He is a, and I can't believe I have to say this now, but he is a biological human. He is a biological man who's reproduced or adopted a child. He is somebody who bears the responsibility of providing for his children. He is a man. He is a male human that is adopted or he has reproduced and he has a son or a daughter. Adam didn't give birth to Cain. Adam didn't give birth to Abel. Adam didn't give birth to Seth. Adam conceived and Eve gave birth to her children. Adam is the father of his children. It, it wasn't that Eve transitioned into Steve and now there's two dads. No, what is a, what is a biblical father? There, a biblical father is a male human being. We have a pattern in creation. Even Jesus referred to us back to this in the New Testament. It wasn't not from the beginning that God made Adam and Eve and Adam knew Eve, and she conceived and bare him children. He is now a father. So what is a father? A father is a biological male human being. If you turn to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter number, chapter number 5, we'll see something else about a father. A father not only is a biological male human being, you say, well, that seems rather obvious. Well, it should, but sadly today, it's not much anymore. 
Nobody can do the role that my dad did in my life except my father. But the Bible not only teaches that a father is a biological male human being, but a, a father is also a provider. In 1 Timothy chapter number 5, look at verse number 8. Look what Paul says about men and fathers who will not work. The Bible says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and he is worse than an infidel. Now, ladies value a man's status or potential status by what he can provide for or the potential that he can provide for his family. Status being the same as a means to provide. Men should provide for their families. The value of a man is what value he can bring. The value of a man is what he can do to provide. You know, looks will only take you so far. You know, it might be Brad Pitt, but if he stays locked up in a dark basement playing video, game, video games all day, ladies, he's not really that attractive, is he? God made men to work. God made men to provide. Some people say, well, I don't need a man. Well, you must not need a provider. And some women and some people today say, we don't need men at all. Well, you must not need electricity. I wonder who's going to build the next dam. I wonder who's going to build the next nuclear power plant. I wonder who's going to uh, pave the road to get the equipment to and from the construction site. God has designed men, and men are designed to provide, and God has designed fatherhoods to specifically provide for his family. Dads go and make money for their family. Amen? I grew up in a home, I told you in the introduction, that my, the men in my home were expected to work. I mean, if you didn't work, in the eyes of my papa, you were the lowest, sorriest little baby boy that the world has ever seen. If you didn't go to work, you are worse than anything. But God takes it even further, and God says if a man does not provide for his family, especially for his own house, he's denied the faith, Christianity, and he is worse than an infidel. He's worse than an unbeliever. You know, I think about Brother Vic. That man went to work, didn't he? That guy put his boots on, and he went to work. That's a dad, amen? I, I, I saw a Facebook post, and uh, I saw, Audrey, it was your dad. And I was thinking about stories about your dad, and your mom told me that, that, that Audrey's dad would take apart a whole washing machine and put it back together. Why? Because the family needs a washing machine. They didn't have to wonder, is dad going to do anything? I mean, it was taken for granted probably. My dad's going to take care of it. It's, it should be taken for granted. Where's dad at? My dad is at work. Where's dad at when he comes home from work? Now, don't bother him right away. He's got to work on the washing machine. And I know out now as a dad, if that washing machine quit spinning for one day, we have a huge problem on our hands at our house. I mean, we got to have a washing machine, amen? A dad is a somebody who gets out there and works, amen? Ladies, if you're single, listen to me. I would not date a grown man that don't have a job. You hear me? I wouldn't give him the time. Would you, Debbie? Would you give him the time? I know her husband. He comes home from work with sheetrock dust all over him, don't he? And I tell you what, you might not think it, Debbie, but that is one of the most attractive things. Amen? That's a man who works. You know that? God said that fathers are supposed to work. 
God said that dads are supposed to get out there and get the job done. If you've had a dad like that, then praise God for that. Amen? He's doing his job. Now, everybody has a little bit of the dad complex in them, but you might think that you wish your dad would have been this and wish your dad would have done that. But listen to me. If your dad got up every day before the sun come up and he went to work and put his boots on or had to deal with all the stuff he had to do at the office, he did that every single day. And he didn't want to pray to celebration when he come home. He just did it every single day. Then praise God, God gave you a pretty good dad. Amen? I know a lot of dudes won't even work. They're a bunch of runts, you know that? How are we going to have a country if the men don't get after it? How are we going to build a family if men don't get up in the morning and go to work? How are children going to be cared for if there's not a provisions for them that they can have a dad that goes out there and hustles and gets it done, amen? My dad was a dad who worked, and I praise God for it, Amen. What is a biblical father? He is a biological male human being who's reproduced or adopted a child. He is a a father, is a provider. Number three, what is a biblical dad? This is rather unpopular also today. You know why all this is unpopular? Because men are under attack. Because the devil knows if he can bind the strong man, he can spoil his goods. The devil knows if if he can take the head out, then he can do whatever he wants to with what's left of it. The devil knows if he can take away the spiritual masculinity and fortitude and grit of the Christian father. If he knows he can disrupt God's creation. If he knows he can attack what God's designed. And he did it from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. Hear me. If he knows if he can mess that up, he can have everything. If he can disrupt the creative order that God has designed, there could be chaos. And is there nothing but chaos now? It's all chaos. We have no leadership anymore. We have no guidance anymore. There is no stability, no toughness, no grit anymore. Everybody's a victim. And we are nothing but a perpetual victim class. Because they have no grandfathers and dads telling children, you're just going to have to suck it up. You're going to have to make it. You know why? This world is hard. This world is rough. And nobody's going to feel sorry for you. You have to take care of your family. And he's going to take care of his family. And he's going to take care of his family. Like Vic took care of his family. And everybody's family is going to be taken care of because God gave the gift of masculine fatherhood to the family. And ladies, I would only look for that. Because that's what God has designed for you. The next one would be rather unpopular, I'm sure. But what is a male, human, biological father? He is a provider. But number three, he is a leader. He's a leader. And Dr. Aiden Rogers says, a home with two heads in it is a monster. And God has designed the father to be the head of of the home. He's designed the father to be the leader of the home. He's designed the father to be the guide of the home. He's the husband. He is is the leader of his household. 
There's some biblical passages you might want to jot down. I know this ain't an amen sermon yet, is it? Amen? You know, I'm afraid that even what I just said right there, and if, if that stirs you, that I said that God has designed fathers to be the head of their home, I would encourage you to find your position then scripturally and try to support that. Don't be shocked that Christianity, Christianity supports biblical teaching. Don't be shocked that Christianity teaches that the Father is the head of the home, even as Christ is the head of the church. Don't be shocked that I, amen, the Apostle Paul. Don't, what, I mean, what do you want, a, a social studies teacher? I, I'm a pastor. I preach from the, from the holy word of God, and I make no apologies of it whatsoever. I, I, could, I really, I'm at the point anymore that, I, that it doesn't matter, and it should not matter, even to you and I, that the world, doesn't matter what the world says, what does Scripture say? Is the world improved in the absence of Scripture, in the absence of a biblical father? It absolutely has not improved. It's actually gotten worse. It is de-evolved. It's not getting better. It is on a road to destruction. And the end thereof will be more chaos, maybe the end of Western civilization that was built upon the principles of biblical teaching. Though, Though back in the day, not everybody was a Christian. But it did seem like back in the day, like my grandfather's generation, maybe you wasn't a Christian, but you was a God-fearer. And you understood there was a God who created, and God established an order, and this order is to be followed because God is the absolute moral, spiritual authority and judge of the all, the, all the universe because He made it. And if you have a different position, I want to encourage you to find in Scripture something that supports your position. And if you can't find it in Scripture, then I would ask you, where did you form your opinion from? And if you have no answer to the reason why you have this new opinion or new idea of the structure of the home and the gender roles of a husband and a wife and a mother and a father, then I would say to you, and I will not suggest it, I will say to you that your opinion has been driven by the whims and the fashions of the world. You have been swept up in the current. You're more afraid of offending someone. You are more concerned with, the, with, with people appreciating and applauding you than you saying, I stand with thus saith the Lord. And I believe Scripture to be the absolute authority and the worldview of my life. Amen? So don't be shocked that Christianity teaches that God and the writings and teachings of Scripture are the absolute authority of the home. Don't be shocked. Don't be appalled by it. This is Scripture. What is a father? A father is a leader of the home. Some passages maybe to jot down to look at later. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 3-9 through 9 teach this. Ephesians chapter number 5, verses 22 through 33 teach this. Titus chapter number 2, verse 5 teaches this. In the book of Joshua, chapter number 24, there's a, I think it's expressed vividly here. We know it as Joshua's charge. In Joshua 24, verse 15, Joshua is dying. Joshua is coming to the end of his life. And Joshua, the children of Israel, are crossing over into the promised land. 
And Joshua says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's, it's written, you're going to walk underneath that. It's probably written on your homes and your, on the walls of your homes, isn't it? You have pictures up that says, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. But it's Joshua who is speaking. It's not Mrs. It's not Mrs. Joshua. That would seem abnormal, wouldn't it? Won't you think it would be odd? You would even agree that if it recorded in Scripture that Joshua didn't say anything. But it was Joshua's wife who rose to the occasion and she spoke on behalf of her family. We all would agree that seems a little bit out of place, don't it? That seems a little bit contrary to the, the creative design. It is Joshua who is speaking. It is Joshua who rises on behalf of his nation. A man who stands on behalf of his nation and he's willing even to stand alone. And he's saying, I don't even care what you other guys do, but as for me and my house, notice it is his house. It's his home. He's taking responsibility of it. You know why? He's the one that's going to answer for it. Not Mrs. Joshua. He's the one. I'm Sherry. Me. I'm going to answer for the leadership of my home. It's not going to be Brittany. It's me. God expects me to be the spiritual head and leader of my home. And would you agree with this? Shame on me if it's not. Shame on me. If it was the other way around, I know what we'd be saying. You know, Brittany, she's really the, the Christian of the family. She's, you know, Josh just, you know, he just reacts when Brittany leads. We all would say that this is not the spiritual, scriptural, creative design for Josh and his family. Now, some ladies, you might think, well, that seems rather unfair. I, that's, this is why, hear me out, this is why that we need good fathers counseling their daughters because you better be careful who you voluntarily agree to submit under in holy matrimony. You better be careful who you voluntarily submit under in holy matrimony. You see why it's so important who you marry? You see, dads, why it's so important how we lead our home? You know, you know what Nathan's learning from me? I pray he is. I pray you are Nathan. Nathan is learning from me how to be a man. That's what he's learning from me. How to be a man. You know what Avery and Madison are learning? They can't be a man. Do you hear me? They cannot be a man. No more than I can be a woman. God assigned my role to me at conception. And before I was in my mother's womb, He knew me. He told me, He said, This, Josh, you are a male. You have to do this. And I'm thankful that God placed in my life 
Daddy Bob, which was my dad's dad, he wouldn't he shot and he'd say, You boys, you're gonna have to straighten up. You're gonna have to go to work. You're gonna have to quit crying and whining. And you know why, Nathan, we can't whine and cry? Because we have to be leaders. We have to get a hold of ourselves. We have to guide the home. We have to have a clear head. We have to be, we have to remain in a position where we can make wise spiritual decisions when the world is falling apart around us, Nathan. That's what we, we have to be that. I'm teaching Nathan, I pray, by the grace of God, how to be a man. But I can't teach Avery and Madison how to be a man. Now, what's my role now? I'm teaching them what a man is. I can't teach them how to be one. They'll never be one. I'm teaching them what one is. Now, disclaimer. Thankfully, God and Christianity, there is no higher value in any home based on your sex or gender role because I would die for my children, then who's more valuable? They are. The glory of manhood is this, is that the the man is expendable. That's the glory of manhood. I told Nathan the other day, Nathan, hear me again in front of everybody. It's better to be A warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. What's that mean? It means that, Nathan, you have to have the tenacity, the potential to be whatever is required to be to defend, protect, and provide for your home. That's what a dad is. There's no telling what dark coal mine he'd climb into to feed and provide for his family. You know why? He loves them more than his own life. You see it now? But I got to teach my daughters. You still with me? I got to teach my daughters what a man is. They got to see it in me. Now, some of you might be here, you say, Well, I have a terrible disadvantage because I didn't have that. That is why we have to start. We have to get the thing reestablished. We have to have, this has to be talked about in a world that tries to make you feel uncomfortable for talking about it. If there is a war on culture, and there is, then Christianity better be providing a culture with clear language backed on Scripture and unashamedly saying, this is my worldview, this is truth, this is the way. It's not just to be, yeah, I like it. It is to be lived out in a world that mocks you, ridicules you, and shames you for even saying something, as I said in the beginning, that I I can't be no woman. I can't be a woman. And how absurd it is to think that I myself could do what Brittany does, that I could could bear children, that I could nurse children, that I can somehow maintain sanity when children are asking her from three different voices a thousand different questions. There's no way I can do what she can do. There's no way in the world. How dare me think I can? 
And there's no way in the world that she can do what I can do. There's no way in the world. I like to think she knows it, but Brittany, I'm telling you, you have no idea what I'll do to keep the household going. No idea. And why would I want her to do that? I would say to some man who's unwilling to do that, you need to be a man, man. How many men in here would agree with this? I'd work three jobs if that's what it took. I'd work three. I'd leave one, one place of work. I'd go to Taco Bell. I'd be handing you tacos, Ben. You want fire sauce with that? <laughs> I'd hand him tacos. I would. I sure would. I'd hand him tacos. And I'd leave there if I had to catch two hours of sleep before my third shift at Denzo started. That's what a man is, isn't it? Whatever it takes, Brittany. Whatever it takes. That, and I'm not trying at all to say I'm a man's man, because you all, you men, who you would do it to, and you have done it, and you do it again, do it again. I got to show my daughters what one is. I think I shared this with you. I'm about through. Some of you say, yeah, right. But hey, you're okay, amen? What'd you come here for? <laughs> Some say, I ain't coming next time. Don't do that. Now, I heard one time say, you should either leave glad or you should leave mad. If it's not one of those two things, then, then it wasn't done right. Okay. At one time, I think I told you. If I had, just hear me out. It was one day storming at our house, and I mean a gully washer, you know? And water was overflowing over the gutter on the porch. And I was like, uh-oh, you know? Brittany said, every time that you're at home and it's pouring down outside, you come back on the house soaking wet. I know it. I'm protecting my home from water. From water. That was another point. Men are supposed to be protectors. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ gave himself for the church. So men are to love, to protect to the point of death. You protect. And that comes in modern times. It might come to it through physical violence or death even, but it comes through working and laboring and protecting and providing. All that is the God-given gift nature of a man but it was pouring down rain and the gutter was stopped up and I went outside I unclogged the downspout because you can't have that it'll rot your face your boards off it'll rot the end of your rafters off it'll rot your soffit out you can't be sitting in the house knowing something's going on and not do anything about it so I went and did something about it because would you agree with me that TV has ruined a lot of good men that would have been good men otherwise so I went out there and unclogged it, and I come back in the house soaking wet, and Avery looked at me. You know how, you know how I realized that I have two little women, too. And she said, uh, why are you wet? That's what she said. And this is an opportunity. I said, listen, Avery, do not date and sure don't marry any man that would sit in the house and watch his gutter be torn down with rot because he didn't undo his downspout. Don't do it. You shake on it, you shake it. We shook hands. I said, I'm going to hold you to it. I'm going to hold you to it. Because you know what I want for my daughter? I want her to marry first. I don't care what his skin color is. I want her to marry a Christian. 
a God-fearing, sold-out-for-Jesus-Christ Christian. Amen? That's what I want. I don't care if he's short. I don't care if he's tall. I don't even care if he has a lot of money. But if he's working, his status will increase. It will. But if he ain't working... I want my daughter, daughters, to have a man that will defend them, love them, protect them, provide for them, pray over them, take them to church, and them be the leader like Joshua was and say, as for me, they're the ones who are driving... Do we drive trains, Audrey? They're the ones who are operating the train. And... Her husband worked for the railroad. Worked. They're the ones who are saying, come on, little ones, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Let's serve the Lord. To think, some might say, well, there's not gender roles anymore, then who's going to meet the intruder in the dark living room? Who should be the one that's going to climb out on the roof and unclog the downspout? Who's going to be the one weeding the poke plants out of the ditch? Who is this person? It's him. It's him. Who should be the one leading the home? It's him. Last thing, what is a man? He's a teacher. He's a teacher. What's a father? He teaches. He don't spend all his days yelling in the home. It's ridiculous. I would say, as my papa would say, you've got to get a hold of yourself. You've got to be able to control your emotions because you can't be running around like an adult baby just screaming all the time. This is this generation. You with me? Here's what this generation does. Little boy, you just express yourself all you want to. You just let it all out. Here is the older generation. You're going to have to get a hold of yourself, man. Is a bone coming out of your skin? Has your mama died? Then No, then you're going to have to learn to control yourself. You know why? Because washing machines break and gutters need to be repaired. And you've got to go to work every single day and that guy you work for has no business being a boss you've got to control yourself don't come home every day like the world's falling apart quit whining there's another one i could add in the book of uh, first corinthians chapter 16 paul says quit ye like men you know what it means it means be a man that's what it means what's the role of the father he's a man i can say this i never saw my daddy Never saw him sniffling around in the corner. <laughs> Life is just hard. I never, praise God, saw that. I'll tell you what I did see, didn't we, Sean? I saw him working on a 305 Chevy small block, a 1980-something Cheyenne pickup truck, working on it to repair it, just enough to limp it to work with floodlights out in the driveway, antifreeze all over the place, barely gets it put together just to get it to work and then limp it back home to tear it all apart again to finally repair it like it should be, but he had to go to work the next day. And he wasn't sobbing and crying about it either. That's a man, isn't it? That's a man. We need dads like that, don't we? We need daddies like that. We need dads like that. Deuteronomy chapter number 6. Teach them diligently unto thy children. 
diligently. I never had a dad that taught me the gospel of Jesus Christ. Boy, I sure do wish I could. I never had a... My mom's dad did. My grandfather on my dad's side didn't. I'm thankful I had masculine men in my life, like Brother Bunny Hurst. He didn't sit around whining and complaining, did he? He wasn't crying. He didn't want nobody's sympathy. He had a role that God designed him to do it, and he did it. I had men like that. Men at this church. Men who's passed away. Men who supported their family, worked for their family. Men who were men, men who loved Jesus, men who carried a Bible, men who read the Bible, men who could talk about the Bible, and men who could be the spiritual leaders of their home. And these men had a tremendous impact on my life. Some of you could say the same thing, amen? If we don't get a hold of this, we're not going to have men like that anymore. Our daughters are going to grow up without men like that. Who knows what will happen? Our children, our sons are going to grow up without examples of men like that, men. These are the men that we need. These are the men that the boys of Westside should grow up to be, men like that. A father. A father. What's a father? He's like the toughest, roughest dude you'll ever see. He'll meet any intruder in his living room and cut him up in a thousand pieces and put him in a five-gallon bucket, then call the police and say, he tried to break in my home. That same guy, though, will be tender and loving to his dear wife. He won't act dumb at home. He has a hold of himself. He's in control of himself. He's led of God and he has fruit of the Spirit. And he prays and he, and he's, and he laughs and he's fun. But he's the head of his house because he knows he's going to answer to God for it one day. But he's not a dictator and he's not a tyrant. And he don't run around establishing stupid rules because he don't want to provoke his children unto wrath like Ephesians chapter 6 says. And he's kind and he's patient. But he's a teacher and he's not a yeller. He shows and guides and leads. He's respected of his wife because he defends, provides, protects and he don't run around whining all day like a little boy. And he's trying to get his little boys to stop doing it. And on Sundays, he guides his family to the house of prayer. And he says, there is a someone you're going to have to account for one day, and it's not me. You children better make sure you know Jesus. Oh, let me tell you about him. That's what a man is. A father. Well, my kids are probably getting ready to go. <laughs> like, Daddy, that's long enough. That's long enough. Maybe it is. Let's stand, Bryson. What song are we going to sing? 157. Page 157. 157. You know who's afraid of a dad like that? The devil is. Terrified that one of you boys will grow up to be a Bible-believing, Bible-practicing Bible-loving Christian man. Hey, don't be shocked by the positions of Christianity. They don't change. The world changes. The Bible don't change. Don't be shocked that, if, that we evermore grow in contrast to the world at Westside. Don't be shocked if it's true of the song we sing says, this world is growing strangely dim to us. Don't be shocked if it, we've become the fulfillment of the book of 1 Peter. We are a we are a peculiar people, strange in our ways, and the world don't understand us. I want to be a Bible-believing church. I want to be a Bible man, don't you? I want to be a man the world 
more and more don't understand. And the world can accuse God's people of hate and misogyny and homophobia and all kinds of things. But if they could only know we just love Jesus, we just want truth, and thank God for God so loved the world, the whole world, that if anyone would repent and believe the gospel, they could be gloriously, amazingly saved. But it can't be man's way. John chapter 1, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, no, but of God. We need to return back to God. We need our houses to return back to God. And if you can't support your position off of Scripture, and I challenge you to try it, I, I mean, you should, every move you make should be supported or disproved by Scripture. I really encourage you, if what you believe isn't lining up with Scripture, then how do you know that you know Him? Because 1 John chapter 2 says, how do I know that I know Him? I keep His commandments. It don't mean perfectly, but it means, hey, this is what I'm going by. We're kept by the Word, begotten by the Word, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And if you're not lining up with Him, then who are you following? Because Jesus said, I am the way. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. I challenge you. If your position is contrary to this, then I challenge you to hold a biblical position by it. But if you can't, I want to command you to repent. If you're unwilling, then what does that mean about you? What's it mean? Hey, follow Jesus, amen? Follow Jesus. Let's sing together. So much to say. I'm running out of time all the time. So much to say.